Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, episode number 18. SOS 18, here we go. Uh, it's President's Day today, and uh, over the weekend we had Valentine's Day. And uh, today we're going to talk about whatever the hell we feel like. Maybe a little bit of the President's, maybe a little bit of other stuff. So let's just cut the crap and get right into it. What do you say? Sounds good to me. Okay, well, what did you do this morning? I got, I got my second dose of uh, uh, vaccine for COVID. There you go. There we go. Um, how do you feel? I feel fine. I feel perfectly fine. I feel great. And um, I know some people, uh, the second dose, they had a little bit of a, they felt bad. Mm -hmm. um, but um, as far as I'm concerned, that's just a small price to pay uh, uh, to protect yourself against this virus coming, this virus, mm -hmm. uh, because it kills you. I mean, there are deaths. I mean, and also the people who don't die, uh, the after effects and the side effects uh, are long lasting. Yeah. And they affect your organs. They affect your brain, your cognitive ability. And uh, I, I don't know. I just I just cannot ignore it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm very, very thankful uh, because of my age. I was able to do it. And also I was an educator. I was able to do it. I'm just thankful that they have a vaccine. Mm -hmm. uh, the science came through with something that can help you. It's kind of like here. Uh, this will help you not get sick and die. And then people say, I'm not doing that. I, I don't understand. I really don't understand that. It's bizarre. I, it's difficult to understand, but I think we discussed beforehand, you know, we're just going to talk about how I'm not, I'm not in the queue. You were in the queue. My sister, Laura, your daughter was in the queue because she's a healthcare provider. I'm, I mean, I'm June, maybe, you know, May at the earliest, June, maybe July, I'll get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to get it. The second that I can, I will. And I see people, powerful people, rich people saying, well, COVID's not really going to affect me, so why should I get it? And to those people, I say, part of it's your duty to be uh, inoculated against something. You won't be a spreader. If, if you're 95% less likely to get something, you're 95% less likely to spread it if you do get it, if that makes sense. Um, you're doing your part. You, you yeah, you don't have uh, you're you're not in the age group. You're not on the you're not on the on the list yet. Mm -hmm. uh, you will be. And I got it so I wouldn't get sick, but I also got it because I didn't want to get you sick. Yeah. I may be fine, but you may not. Yeah. A and I was thinking of you as much as I was thinking of me. And that's the uh, reason I, why I you know, we have dinner nearly every night. Um we don't live in the same place, but we live close, and that's the reason why Every night when we meet up and we chit chat and we have dinner, um, we're wearing masks. Yep. Uh, because I don't want to get you sick. And it's not about personal freedom. It's about you're being asked to do so little. And to say that you can't do it, that seems, I don't know, it just seems wrong <laughs> to me. I mean, I hate to tell people that they're wrong. But you are wrong. If you don't want to get the vaccine, you're wrong. <laughs> if you don't want to wear a mask in Walmart, you're wrong. And that's all I really have to say about that. 
Well, if people choose, they don't want to wear a mask. They don't want to protect themselves. They want to go out there just wide open to the air. Let the virus come get me. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's their choice. But I don't think they have a right to say, I can be exposed. I can be a spreader. And you have to let me come and stand next to you and infect you. To me, that that doesn't make sense. I saw there was, uh, and, oh, go ahead. And if you have a store, it's your your store, and you say you have to wear a mask, and they say, you can't force me to wear a mask in your store. It's their store. Mm-hmm. They don't have to let you in. Say, hey, you know, I, I have a contagious disease. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna come in your house. And I'm going to affect you, infect you because I don't care about you. I care about my freedom. And by the way, my freedom is more important than your freedom. I'm coming in. Uh, to me, that just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't doesn't fly. And I'm wondering what people are thinking when they say those things. I I, I that's I don't want to judge, but I don't understand. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, and so I I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to say you're wrong. You should go to jail or anything. I'm just saying. I don't understand. This is how I see it. And I'm very thankful. I'm glad. I, I first chance I got, I got the, the vaccination. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not, uh, I haven't, I got it this morning and I don't have any side effects. Mm-hmm. And the stories we hear, David, the stories we hear about people who don't get it and die, people who do get it. Uh, we heard this story the other day, uh, the other, well, a while back this lady that got it and she says, you know, I got it vaccinated. And they says, you know, and you got sick and got well and go, you know, if you didn't get vaccinated, you probably would have died. Even with the vaccination, it may not prevent you from getting sick, but it can prevent you from dying. It can also maybe prevent you from having side effects where you can't think anymore, mm-hmm. uh, where you have cognitive ability, you have mental uh, type of uh, uh, problems. Where anyway, you, where can you go can't, on and on. Where you can't uh, smell. You know, that's, you that's, lose, a, that's lose. a big thing. Uh, We're talking about that, yeah. You know, right now, I'm drinking... Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking my Earl Grey. <laughs> Twinings of London. Purchased 12 times. I've purchased this 12 times, okay? Last, uh-huh. And it's a 100-pack. I have literally drank, since I've had my Amazon account, 1,200 or 1,100 plus whatever I've done out of this new box, 1,100 bags of Earl Grey tea. And the thing is, (laughs) the reason why I do that is because I love it. I love Earl Grey tea. Now, if I couldn't smell, Earl Grey tea would taste like hot water. There'd be no point. And I would miss out on one of the things that I love to do. That's right. That's right. We talked about loss of some of the some of our senses, mm-hmm. uh, and you can lose your life. You could lose some of your senses, and also it attacks different organs. You can lose uh, ability of different organs to function uh, at full capacity, and one of your organ is your brain. Uh, that's one thing I was really concerned about. Uh, you'll have cognitive issues, uh, maybe emotional issues, psychological issues, 
and people don't care. I, I don't. I just don't understand it. Yeah, don't understand. It's kind of like it's kind of like uh, here. I have this this uh, a treasure to give you. Now it might be heavy. You might strain your back in carrying the treasure home, but once you have it home, you can spend this and have a wonderful life. I don't want it. I don't want it. It's going to be too heavy for me. I don't want to do it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Can anyway, I, can I play you a clip? Yeah, sure. All right, let me uh, figure out how to do this. Well, I'll start. I'm I'm going to learn. We can transition here, and then I have to share my screen and the sound so you can hear it. Okay. Uh, there we go. All right, back to Chrome. It's a one-minute clip. This video we okay. captured of shoppers and employees unmasked at a Florida grocery store has put Naples in the bullseye of the mask-wearing debate. Forget the politics altogether. Whatever they're doing in there is wrong. The clip from inside Alfie Oaks's seed-to-table market, now seen more than three million times online. You can see how absurd uh, that it is that anyone's wearing masks and how absurd that it is that we ever did any shutdowns in our country. It's the, it's the most absurd thing ever. Why is it absurd when we see these hospitals with people teeming with COVID-19 patients? So you see that on the news, but everyone asks yourself, how many people do you know that really have died of strictly only COVID, that didn't have, have other comorbidities? While many people who die of COVID have other medical conditions, the CDC says that in 92% of COVID deaths, COVID-19 was the underlying cause. Oaks, known for his conservative and controversial positions, just had a federal lawsuit challenging the county mask mandate thrown out. Naples resident Kevin Tobler says it's a nuanced topic. I don't want them telling me what to do, but public places where there's lots of people, you, you can't argue that that's responsible to wear a mask. Experts agree masks do slow the spread. People ask, absolutely need to mask up, not just for themselves, but for their community. But despite the science, one woman tweeting she believes it's a personal choice. Florida is doing it right. Americans need to take their life and their freedom back. A disconnect in Florida, still at the center of a national public health debate. Sam Brock, NBC News, Naples. Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Follow today's... What do you think? I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> why have the Food and Drug Administration? You know, yeah. why don't you just eat, uh, you know, just uh, why should you have any type of restrictions on uh, food, on drugs? Why Why should people care? You should have the freedom uh, to do anything you want, even if it kills you. Well, maybe so. But I don't think it's good for society. And I think uh, if you're living in a society, you should think of not just yourself, you should think of other people. The other thing, too, if people don't want to wear a mask and they, they want to expose themselves to something that they have said is you are at risk and you can spread it to other people. If they don't want to wear a mask, then and they want the right not to wear a mask. As far as I'm concerned, okay, fine, don't wear a mask, but don't go in public. Don't spread it around other people. You know, uh, like, I don't want to wear a mask. I, I want to get sick. Now, I don't care about getting sick. I'll wear a mask because I want the freedom to uh, to gut their uh, butt naked against the world. 
but you don't have the right to spread that to other people. So stay home. See, I've thought about this a lot. That guy that's like, well, they all had underlying conditions. He also said, more people die of heart attacks. Are we going to start making you stay home for a heart attack? And I was like, well, I can't catch heart attack from you. That was, but I have a, a buddy. We talked about him before. He's a business owner, and he doesn't believe in masks or the vaccine. And I've thought about this, and, and this is a hypothesis I've come up with. And here it is. You own a business. It's your livelihood. It's your life. And it has a physical location and people go there. And the first thing that happens in March of 2020 is they shut you down. They say, unless you're essential, you can't even be open. And then from that point on, everything they say, well, you can open up again, but everyone has to wear masks. You say, you're the ones that shut me down. I'm not going to listen to a word you said. Because the first action you took was to shut me down. And then it says, well, we can get back to normal if everyone takes a vaccine. You're the ones that shut me down. I'm not going to take a vaccine. So you start off at this animosity, and then everything else that comes from that source of information or source of suggestions, like in order to stop the spread, we need to shut everything down. It's like, well, I'm a business owner. You're telling me I need to shut down. Like, I don't like that. Therefore, you're the bad guy. Whatever you say, I'm not going to like. And the funny thing is, vaccines and universal mask wearing is a way for these small businesses to get back to normal. Uh, it's the fastest way for them to get back to normal, but because the first step was shut you down, they don't trust anything that's said. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And actually, you say that, I can see their thinking, uh, but they're not looking at the bigger picture. It's kind of like, I also see an analogy to drunk driving. Uh, there's nothing wrong about drinking and getting drunk, uh, but you're not allowed to drink and drive. Because mm -hmm. if you drive, you can have an, you're, you're impaired, have an accident, you can kill people. Uh, that's against the law. Mm -hmm. But if you don't wear a mask, you could be infected and spread that. No, you do and spread it, and people are spreading it. And the United States is one of the worst in in containing this virus because they're spreading it. Okay, I don't know the stats, but I keep hearing you know the United States per per capita uh, is not controlling this like uh, like other countries, like New Zealand. Yeah, uh, they shut down. It, it totally it went away and then they opened up again. We can't do that. We don't have the discipline to do that. We don't have the foresight to do that. Our people do not have the intelligence, the discipline, and the foresight to actually say, I'm doing what needs to be done to be virus-free so we can open up again. That's what you're saying. I'm, I, yeah, I'm also saying people feel like they've been burnt. Uh, that they've been told that the first thing they had to do they didn't like. And, you know, if you meet someone and they kick you in the balls and you fall to your knees and writhing in pain, and then the next time they, you see them, they say, hey, man, let me buy you a beer. You say, screw you. 
Last time I saw you, you kicked me in the balls. Uh, that's kind of what they did to these small business owners. Uh, that's how the pandemic yeah. started out. And so it sort of establishes this relationship where it's like, why should I listen to the health department? They're the ones that shut me down. And I, and I understand that anger. But I do too. I guess it's just I don't have that anger. So it's easy for me to say, why would you oppose the vaccines? If everyone gets vaccinated, you can start running your business again like this never happened. You know, but I think it's the baseline was whatever they say is wrong because they shut me down. And so now if they say wear a mask, I say, no, you told me to shut down. And if they say get a vaccine, I say, no, you told me to shut down. And uh, and I sort of understand that anger because anger doesn't have logic to it. Anger is just it's just an energy. Mm -hmm. It's an emotion. I keep going back to. Uh, there are laws about wearing seatbelts. Mm -hmm. There are all laws, are laws about drinking and driving. And the reason so why there's laws have... about drinking and driving is not to protect you from dying in a fiery auto crash when you're wasted. It's to protect you from killing someone else. That's why there's mask mandates. <laughs> if you have it, you know, good luck. But you should wear a mask so you don't give it to anyone else. If you have it, you shouldn't be out and about. I mean, there's all kinds of analogies, but getting back to me, a personal choice, i not a personal choice. To me, the way I believe things is that um, we have all this science. We have these people working hard. We people have people dying. And uh, like the guy, the guy said, he says, have you, do you know of anyone uh, who have died? It's all underlying. You should see these people uh, that that they should spend a week in some of these uh, uh, very critical people die. People die within within a couple of days after getting it. Uh, and some of them are young people. Yeah. And you don't know if you're if you're uh, if you're going to be uh, a critical or not. You don't know. Uh, they don't know that much about it. And so you could you could be 25 years old, catch it and die in two days. Well, there is. Yeah. And so why, why do people do that? There was. Uh, the congressman that got elected, 42 years old. That's not very old. That's not certainly not. Oh, I'm healthy. I take care of myself. You know, if you're one of those people that you don't have any comorbidities, you're young, you're relatively healthy, you're not obese. You don't have asthma, you never smoked, and you get it, and you die. What do you say to those people? Oh, you should have been healthier. You know, it's like, it doesn't make sense to me. Or you, you should have had better genes. Yeah. It's your fault. You should have had better genes. Yeah. You should have natural immunity. It's your fault. Well, I guess I, to sum up sense. this segment, it's frustrating, A. But B... All we can do is say, you got the vaccine the second you were able to, basically, because you're not scared of it. Like, there's also, do you feel like there's this machismo thing? Like, oh, I'm not scared of COVID. Give me COVID. I'm healthy. Like, what about the vaccine? Oh, no, I'm super scared of that. Don't put a needle in me with uh, stuff that's been vetted by science. No, I'm scared. Like, you're not scared of the vaccine. <laughs> These people that don't want to get the vaccine, they're scared. They're scared. And they're dumb. 
<laughs> That's what they are. I guess they're not dumb. They're smart people that say that they're not going to get the vaccine. Elon Musk, by all accounts, is a smart guy. He said he's not going to get the vaccine. Guy. So it's not about intelligence. Yeah. Um, but to, to cap, belief. yeah, to, to sort of sum this up, I guess I got off on a tangent. I started getting angry. I said the best way to handle this is to tell people I'm doing it because I believe it's the right thing to do and leave it at that. And they say, well, what about I heard that some people are getting Bell's palsy. One in every 15,000 people gets Bell's palsy because of the vaccine. It's like I hear one in every 100 people dies because of the virus. You know, you could you could get into an argument like that. But I think that one of the safest you ways don't, to don't, don't engage. You don't hear it. It's reported. Yeah. That one in a hundred die. You may have heard that, but these are the data. Mm -hmm. This is what's happening. Yeah. And uh, doesn't make sense. It's like I'd rather have Bell's palsy than dead. But you could argue till your face turns blue. I think one of the best ways to sort of put your money where your mouth is is say, I got the vaccine. And why did I get it? Because I believe that it's the right thing to do, not just for myself, but for all the people that I see in person, um, whether that be at the grocery store or family members or friends or business associates, it's safer for them because I chose to get the vaccine. It's safer for me because I chose to get the vaccine. It's safer for society as a whole. And I did it because I genuinely believe that since it was my turn, I didn't skip the line and I followed the rules and I was eligible for it. I was doing the right thing by getting it. And you tell people that and you don't say, you don't want to get it. You're an idiot. Like you're hurting everyone. You just say, I think I'm doing the right thing. And then by virtue of saying that you imply, and if you don't want to get it, I think you're doing the wrong thing, <laughs> but you don't have to say it, right? No, you don't. And no, you really shouldn't say it because it, again, it's not about logic, it's about belief. And it's not about your opinion on them. It's about their opinion on themselves. As far as I got it because I care. I care. I care about my health, but I also care about your health and people around me. Mm -hmm. I care about people. I want people, I don't want to be the agent that creates uh, uh, someone else to die or be the creator of someone else being sick. I don't want to be that person. And I, I care about that. So I think I care about people enough to say, I want to protect myself from this virus so I won't spread it. And I wear masks, too. Mm -hmm. I, the, the, the macho stuff, I think, is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. If you're macho, then you should do what you got to do to protect yourself, protect the people you love. And if you don't do that, you're not you're not. You're not macho. Yeah. It's weird, though. Macho how... is not it's putting your your loved ones in danger. That's not macho. Yeah, it's not. Either. It's the way I see it. So it is President's Day, and I stole this off the internet. <laughs> this is the thumbnail. We can move on. Uh, I'll just show Gals it move to on. you. Um, this is Whoa. not... You in no way endorse this shenanigans that I'm putting up on the screen, but this is what I've done. I just stole this off the internet. This is not my own graphic. Um, I wonder what they mean by that. What? <laughs> the graphic. By, by this? Yeah. I wonder what, they, what they're trying to say with that graphic. I don't know. It's pretty apocryphal. That, that's rhetorical, David. 
I wonder what they're trying to say. What <laughs> what that person is trying to say with that. I don't know. Yeah, we don't necessarily endorse what's being said in this graphic. But uh, uh oh, and for those of, did. for those of you that are listening to the uh, audio version of this podcast, it's oh yeah. Uh, 43 old white guy emojis, one black guy emoji, one clown emoji, and then an old white guy emoji. Just for the record. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oops. Yeah. Um, when you see it, you get it. Yeah, you'll get it. If You you can watch it on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Sons of Sequoia. And uh, this is episode 18. So just search that up and you'll see the graphic at around, I don't know. 24 minutes into the uh, broadcast. Uh, Sounds good. <laughs> but, yeah, so the impeachment, it ended. He was innocent again. Totally exonerated, right? <laughs> no, not really. Well, in his mind, yes. But I think, you know, uh, yeah. One thing uh, that was surprising to me was Mitch McConnell's? I I, I kind of want to say this in our in our podcast here. Is Mitch McConnell voted not guilty, and uh, there were, it was fifty seven to forty three, uh, 50, 57 uh, uh, not uh, not guilty and forty three uh, guilty. So, but Mitch McConnell voted not guilty, mm-hmm. and then he got up and explained his vote, and he said he did it. He did it, but this was a constitutional uh, parliamentary type vote like that we shouldn't be doing this. And so uh, when I heard that, I thought, you know, uh, I I thought a lot of things. I'm not that political. I don't know where he comes from. Well, I'm not where he comes from, like uh, what I'm trying to say here. I'm not that political. I don't know all of his constituents and why he voted that way and why he said that. But in my mind, I I can't help but think, wow, you know, uh, just just from my perspective, which is I don't know that much about uh, politics, but that he's trying to play both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. He's trying to say, oh. I don't want to say guilty because then all of a sudden, all of my voters, the people that are Trump people, are going to blame me. So I'm scared to vote what I should vote for. So I pull out this parliamentary procedure or the constitution you know, that we shouldn't be doing this in the, you know, some type of a uh, rules. So I'm getting at. Yeah. And so he's afraid of what they think. And but then he gets up and he says, oh, yeah, well, he did it. He definitely did it. It's criminal. He did it. Well, in my mind, in my as a citizen of the United States, thinking about this, I think, wait a minute. You do something that implies what Trump did was okay, And then you turn around and say, what he did was, you say what he did was not okay. What you do is much more important than what you say. It's kind of like, well, 
yeah, I, I can say anything I want, but this is what I'm going to do. You know, mm -hmm. that, that just didn't make sense to me. The second thing, though, David, is that what type of vote does, does that result in? Uh, a vote of not guilty and then turn around saying that he says, you know, you can you can think anything you want, but we're going to let this insurrection go unpunished by the Congress. Yeah, we are not we are not going to come down on this. We're not going to say it's wrong. We're going to say not guilty. Well, you know, the way we're doing this and however you do it, it's wrong. OK, because what message is being sent? to the country, to the Republican Party, to the Democratic Party, to the independents, to our allies, to our enemies. Say, hey, you know, look at America. You don't have to listen to what they say. They could say anything, but if we put them in a corner, oh, they're going to do exactly what we can make them do. Mm -hmm. We can control them by put, putting, by, by putting the... the, the uh, uh, the uh, constraints on them. Therefore, we can force them to say, oh, well, you know, you don't want to do that because if you do that, you're going to violate, uh, oh, that's not really the right way to do it. Oh, okay, maybe I, no, it's wrong. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it should vote wrong. And I think voting caused much more problems than saying what he said. It doesn't wipe away what he did. I don't think it, you can't, you can't uh, you can't go out and, and commit a crime and say, oh, I'm sorry, that's not payment for that crime. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I said it was OK, so my vote's OK. No, it's not. Uh, you just can't say things away and then do them. Uh, I, I see a lot of different different problems with this. Yeah. And I think the, imp the impact is going to be on the Republican Party, too. Republican Party. Where is it? Where's it going to go? I think he what he oh, wanted. Oh, go ahead. And after I told you, I, I, we've mentioned this before, and I said, I want to say this on the podcast. Maybe I'm not I'm rambling, but maybe you can see what I'm trying to say. Uh, but after I said that to you, as we were talking, uh, I'm hearing this on TV now on some of the pundits are starting to say these things now. They say, you know, well, how is this going to affect the Republican Party? How are they going to move forward? Uh, what type of effect is this going to have on our foreign policy? Uh, what's this effect going to have on our on our enemies? Uh, it's just going to accelerate what they do. And they're going to start putting people in here, uh, government, to try to move in that direction. Because now we know what our leaders, how they're going to respond to this. They're going to let it happen and say it shouldn't happen. But they're going to let it happen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I think his argument basically was, it says in the Constitution that the purpose of impeachment is to remove a president who has violated his oath of office, committed high crimes and misdemeanors. Well, he's not the president anymore. So impeachment isn't the right mechanism to punish him. He can be punished if Joe Biden's Justice Department takes him up on federal charges of inciting a riot in D.C., or maybe the D.C. Metro Police want to charge a former president with inciting a riot. See how well that goes. Um, but he's basically saying it's not our job to do it. And that 
doesn't really hold water. It's sort of like saying, let's say you did a strong arm robbery and then uh, you went out and you beat someone up and you got arrested for beating someone up and you went to jail and then they found out that you did a strong arm robbery and they took you to court and they said, all the evidence is here. He did the strong arm robbery. And the juror says, well, the purpose of convicting someone of strong arm robbery is to put them in jail. Since he's already in jail, there's no reason to convict him of strong arm robbery, <laughs> even though he did it. That's kind of what Mitch McConnell is saying. Uh, and it seems disingenuous. <laughs> it's, it seems it's clearly a strategic move. He wants to distance the party from Trump without having to have 17 people vote that he's guilty, uh, kick him out, and then those people get primaried and he has no control over the party uh, in two years or four years. And Mitch McConnell is 78. And uh, he just got reelected. So he'll be 84 if he wants to run again. I kind of feel like he feels at liberty to say, Donald Trump did all this. He's a bad guy. Now, I want to hold together the Republican caucus by voting not guilty. But if I were 72 and I could run again at 78, if I were 66 and I could run again at 72, I wouldn't be saying these things. I would be afraid of Donald Trump's wrath that I'd get primaried six years from now when I have to run again. But since I'm 78, I'll probably be tired. I'll be ready to hang it up when I'm 84 and it comes time to run again. And so I can say these negative things about Donald Trump, and it's kind of a stroke of strategic brilliance to simultaneously say he's not guilty and then distance yourself from him for his horrible actions. I think uh, it's, it's smart. I think McConnell's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, but I think it's going to backfire on him. To me, it backfired. I, I, I see what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. But the way I see it is that it backfires on him to say, yeah, that is clever. That is smart. I see what you're doing. But look at the collateral damage you're causing. Mm -hmm. I, I can't help but see the collateral damage. Are you going to stand up for what's right? It's kind of like uh, I, I, your analogy was, was a very good one. A very good, very good analogy. But another analogy that, that I see that, that may not apply as well is that you go into a store and so all of a sudden the, um, um, the uh, well, I was going to say one thing. I'm going to say another thing. You go, into, you go into a restaurant and so in the booth next to you, you see this uh, mother... Uh, or this, let's say dad, this dad and a child, you know, and the dad says, eat your food, eat your vegetables. And the child says, uh, I, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I, I don't, I'm full. I don't want to eat my vegetables. So the dad takes his fist and starts pounding me in the face. Eat, eat. And this blood come out of his face. He pounds him, he pounds him and pounds him. What do you do? Hey, it's not my job. We should have police come in and do this. 
the right thing is to stop them. But hey, it's not my job. We should have the police come in and do that. That's their job. It's not my job. Now, that's kind of an extreme example. But that's what I see him doing, saying, yes, I can bring out these these reasons why I'm going to delay this. And that's smart politically. But the issue is so critical that there's collateral damage and the backfire is going to be much greater than the the success he did with what he did. Mm-hmm. And what he did was 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 political. But the the uh, consequences of this was much more was much greater for the country than just political protecting himself back home. Where you know sometimes doing what's right is better than doing what's most strategically advantageous. Right. Um, but what he did, I you know everything reminds me of an Onion article. So. <laughs> This one's they put this one they put this one on a T-shirt. So, Mitch McConnell. Uh, this it reminded me of this one. Uh, Jurish prudence fetishist gets off on technicality. Do you get it? <laughs> it's a double entendre. Yeah. It's a double entendre. So going back to uh, oh, where is it? Where is it? That's good. <laughs> Onions. The onion is great. There's some, there's some smart. There's some very funny people, but very uh, tuned in people there. So going back to my uh, thumbnail here. Yeah. Do you believe in your heart of hearts that number forty-five, the bald guy with the red hair? Uh, that's. That's what this is. That's the bald guy with the red hair emoji, number 45. Uh, President 45. Uh, do you believe that he will be considered in the bottom quartile of all presidents of all time? I mean, maybe last, but do you think he's in the bottom 10% or bottom 25%? Well, depends on who makes that judgment depends on the, what the criteria are. I think history will put him down there. A historian would, would say, yes, they put him down there. Now, this is the only caveat I have to saying everyone wants to say he's the worst president of all time. That may well be true. And terrible things happened on his watch, but there was no World War II. I suppose, though, since... Uh, as many people died to COVID as died in World War II, you could say that his failures are greater. Let's see, how many people died in World War II? I think I see, I think I see where you're going with this, David. And uh, and you're right. Oh yeah, more people died of COVID than Americans that died in World War II. So, mm-hmm. and that was not one year. <laughs> it's important to point that out. Um, but, you know, you look at the death rate as a proportion of population or whatever. Uh, other countries, you know, it's impossible to be at zero unless you are like New Zealand. Why do you think New Zealand was so effective? They're a geographically isolated island with, uh, you know, 
a central government that's uh, sparsely populated. There's not very many people there to begin with. So you only need to bring a finite amount of people in line. You need to shut down your airports, which is like, or your ports, which is the only way things are coming and going. I mean, it's easier for them to shut down than it is for the United States of America. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, and so I think that you can't blame all 400,000 COVID deaths on President Trump. But then again, you can't blame all 407,316 World War II deaths on President Roosevelt. And uh, I'm sure that had the Allied commanders made some different decisions, we might have been able to mitigate those numbers down a bit, but we won the war. And people may look back and say, well, Operation Warp Speed, and you know, if you look at the efficiency with which the vaccines were rolled out, it could have been much worse. And Donald Trump didn't do as bad as everyone thought at the time. And because he was taken out in one term, He's an inconsequential president, but perhaps not the worst. People might end up saying that. And I think, like mm-hmm. you said, what history will say, and the, the problem is we don't have any context for history. He's been out of office for three weeks. There's no context. All we know is he tweeted dumb stuff. He outraged everyone that was against him. Uh, he sent a mob of domestic terrorists to the Capitol. They tried to uh, hang the vice president, all this stuff. But, you know, if you sort of load on a scale, because he didn't start any unnecessary foreign wars, or uh, because he, he could have chosen to do things that he didn't, or maybe, you know, this, uh, the, the olive branches he extended in the Middle East to have Israel normalize relations with uh, Morocco and the United Arab Emirates, Maybe that'll lead eventually to a broader Middle East peace. And he will be the catalyst for that. And he'll be remembered as, yeah, he did poorly on COVID and uh, he had a brash style and he never had an approval rating over 50%. But the effects of some of the things he did really helped the world in the long run. You know, people may say that. And the funny thing is, if you talk to a partisan, they'll say, no, they'll say he's the worst ever. But I think it's important to sort of realize that we don't have any context, right? That's true. History has a different context than when you're when you're there, because a lot of the judgment today is just emotion. You know, they'll either rub you the right way, or they'll rub you the wrong way. Well, we uh, we recently watched an Orson Welles clip about Churchill. Do you remember that clip? <laughs> oh yeah. He's on the Dick Cavett show, and it's not political. But he does set it up by saying Churchill was at this resort in the south of France or something. And just at the same time, Orson Welles was. And Orson Welles was talking up this guy trying to get funding for his picture. And Churchill was at the resort because he'd just won World War II, but also been voted out of office. And so even after winning World War II, Churchill lost the election. And I think that's important. The people of England at the time... When Winston Churchill led the country through World War II, they took a look at the ballot box and they said, I'm going to vote for the other guy. I don't even know the other guy's name. But it's like at that point in time, they felt like the other guy was a better choice than Winston Churchill. And that's important to remember. You know, he's venerated as like Mm -hmm. a saint today, but he flat out lost the election uh, right after the war. So those types of things are important to keep in mind 
Because if you would have asked the English population at the time, they would have said, no, we don't think he would be the best prime minister. Yeah, I think the same thing with uh, uh, with Trump, because I know in our history, like Jackson, Andrew Jackson did very similar things to Trump, uh, uh, violating uh, laws. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was on a $20 bill. Yeah. As a matter, have you, did you hear, uh, changing the subject a little bit, if you don't mind, David, uh, did you hear instead of Jackson, Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill, uh, they're thinking of putting, uh, was it uh, uh, Harriet Tubman? Harriet Tubman. Uh, on the $20. I think it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. But the, the people say, wait a minute, Andrew Jackson was a great, was a great uh, uh, president. Well, he was an Indian killer. Uh, mm-hmm. He uh, was, um, he, def- he defied uh, Congress. He defied the Supreme Courts. Uh, he says, I'm going to remove these people and take their land away from them. And to the Cherokee people, the land was sacred. The land was not something that you take from people or give to people. Uh, you belong to the land. Uh, I remember I mentioned this one time before uh, I was hunting uh, every episode. I want to talk about were sons of Sequoia, my dad Sequoia and your grandfather Sequoia. Uh, one time I was hunting with my dad's sequoia and uh, hunting behind some dogs, bird bird hunting. And the dog went went o- through the fence over in this uh, pasture. And my dad said, oh, look, there's birds over there. There's birds over there. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, and I was younger. Uh, I said, this is posted. No trespassing. Posted. Keep out. No trespassing. We can't go over there. And he says, yeah, but there's birds over there. And I said, yes, but... But it says no trespassing. It's against the law. We cannot go over there. And my dad paused. He shook his head. And he said, that's just that's just not right. We don't own the land. The land owns us. And he he kind of called back the dogs and, and we left. And and I I. At the time, I thought, that's a strange thing. What's he talking about? But then I realized uh, his, my grandmother, Polly, Polly Davis, and, and her father, Deer Tracker Davis, the land was sacred. The land was not something you own. Uh, it's not something you give people. It's something that's sacred, and the land owns you. And so Jackson comes in to the people who have the sacred, sacred uh, Echota in Georgia and say, we're taking your land away from you, removing you uh, away, and you had the Trail of Tears. And so they want to commemorate him and put him on the $20 bill. <laughs> so I, I was thinking, I think Harriet Tubman is a great choice, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, I, I thought, if she does, I would love to see uh, in the running for the $20 bill, uh, Sequoia. Yeah. He's an American. Jackson, I mean, Jackson was a white, you know. Mm-hmm. Harry Tubman was a black. Uh, Sequoia was a Native American. Why not a Native American? Why not having Sequoia on there that created a celebrity? And by the way, since we're here, uh, real quick, Sequoia 
was uneducated. Uh, he couldn't read or write. Uh, he was half Cherokee, half white. He saw what the uh, uh, soldiers were doing, scribbling on paper, and they could understand and communicate. He says, these, he said, called them talking leaves. And so he said, you know, we should do that in our country, in our, in our nation, the Cherokee Nation. So he started sitting down in 1812 or something like that, 1815, or 1816, I don't know the dates. But he sat down and started figuring out, how can I make what we say on paper? And he couldn't read or write. He didn't know, he didn't know letters or words. So what he did was create symbols for the sounds. So it was a phonetic alphabet. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he generated it, and as it turned out, I, I read somewhere that's the only totally phonetic alphabet in the world. Two, it's the only alphabet in the world that was generated by one person. And three, it was the only alpha, uh, Native American alphabet that was generated by Native Americans. Everyone else, the English came in and created an uh, uh, uh a version of their language uh and there's there's some of the celebrate that's the celebrate that's the whole it's a celebrate. pure that's the whole one that's a pure celebrate uh i see uh and i can point out also y'all uh we well actually we should since this is sons of sequoia we should also y'all friends is friends is good friends you know Osta, good good uh, and Wado, thank you. And uh, we should say, uh, um, we should start speaking Cherokee. But the point is, what I'm getting at is the uh, having Sequoia on the $20 bill. Yeah. By the way, his, 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 uh, uh, his uh, statue is in the Capitol, um, along with the I, Rogers. I, I think that's a great idea, but I do, I also think that uh, Harriet Tubman. On the $20 bill, it's a nod to contemporary political realities. You know, Joe Biden wouldn't have been the Democratic nominee, let alone the president, if it weren't for the black vote in America. Um, I, I and think shout it's, out to who? Shout out to uh, Stacey, Stacey Abrams. Abrams. Oh, shout out to Stacey Abrams. Yeah, her story is pretty I phenomenal. Have so, much, uh, so much respect for her. Wow. You know, I, I, salute, I salute her. What she did was, was you know, she lost. Mm-hmm. But she didn't take that loss as failure. She took it as motivation to make change, and she did. Yeah, my, I salute her. You know, I salute her. And there was some, actually, by the way, there's some black Cherokees, too. Yeah, the freedmen. So the, the freedmen, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Cherokees are such a, a remarkable, remarkable people. They, the, the Cherokee Nation and the Cherokee tribe, they see people as people. They see the worth of people. Uh, they don't see them uh, like, unfortunately, a lot of people in this country do as, oh, if you're if you're this, then you're no good. No, they see the good in people, whoever they are. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm saying Not everyone is, lost. anyway, uh, the modern political reality sort of dictates a lot of this stuff. And I think that Harriet Tubman's a great figure because she was brave. She was headstrong. She fought against injustice. And she was black. And it's like, there should be a black person on our currency. 
Now we already had Sacagawea on that gold $1 coin. So we've already had a Native American. I think what's That's telling true. is we've had a black person in the White House. We had an East Indian person, Kamala Harris, uh, in the White House before we had an American Indian person in the White House. And it's like, right. we're from here. I saw the New Zealand health minister. Let me see if I could pull up a picture of her. I thought this was cool. And while you're saying that, I could say it could be argued Harriet Tubman had more impact on our society than Sequoia had impact on the Cherokee Nation. But Harriet Tubman had a huge impact on uh, the culture and society of America. Okay, this is, uh, I found. Uh, oops. Found it? Ah. Come on. My computer's being dumb. <laughs> I'll just show this picture of her. Except cookies. Harriet Come Tep on. No, this is the foreign foreign minister of New Zealand. Oh, okay. Uh, she's got the traditional Maori tattoos. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's cool. I mean, she's, um, you know, native to the island of New Zealand. She's a Maori. She's not a. You're um, of European descent. I'm sure she probably. But I think it's cool that she's not only is she Maori, she has the traditional Maori tattoos, and she is essentially the Secretary of State for the the country of New Zealand. I think that's really cool. It is. I I saw her picture the other day. I'm like, oh, that's cool. They have a a, a native uh, foreign minister. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that type of representation it's it's important that you know the the leadership represents what the the people look like and mm -hmm. that may be why sequoia will never be on a dollar bill or they may there may never be uh a native american president because there's so few native americans left uh well there's they're intermarried and there's there's half and quarter and eighth and and uh it's difficult finding a, a full-blood native american it's getting less and less likely, uh, which the, the bad part about that is that we're losing the language, mm -hmm. uh, losing the culture and the language, which I think is really, really sad. I, uh, I kind of wish I wish I I wish I was a speaker. I my dad spoke it. My grandmother spoke it. But uh, my dad really didn't speak it. He just uh, he just knew words and he knew phrases. But uh, I, I wish I could speak it. But to not just speak it, understand the language and the culture around the language. Mm -hmm. There are four and a half million Native Americans. That's 1.5% of the country. And I don't think that number is going to go up. You know, and the f fascinating thing is even, you know, we even say it. Like to, to become part of the tribe, you need to track down the Bureau of to the Cherokee tribe. Anyway, this doesn't necessarily go for the Lakota Sioux or the Ute Mountain Ute or the Southern Ute in Colorado, but the Cherokee tribe, the main stem Cherokee tribe in Tahlequah, uh, Oklahoma, you know, you have to get your degree of Indian blood card. And that has to be certified by people that were on the Bureau of Indian Affairs Dawes rolls or a couple other rolls. Once you get your degree of Indian blood card, you know, like what percentage of blood you are, you know, you show that to them as verifiable proof and you become a citizen of the Cherokee nation. Uh, we trace your lineage back to the rolls. So 
there is this, you know, what, what percentage Indian are you? Um, but can you imagine going up to a light-skinned black person and asking what percentage black are you? How insulted they'd be? What percentage of your blood is African? And what percentage is European? They, they would take offense to that question. And that is literally mm -hmm. the first question that someone will ask you if you tell them that you're a, a citizen of a Native American tribe. It's, it's fascinating to me. All Native know, Americans take offense, take offense at that too, but... But uh, it's a common it's, question if you tell someone that you're a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. Um, all I know is that my degree of Indian blood is the same as Principal Chief John Ross, uh, the Principal Chief of the Cherokee during the Trail of Tears. So, so there's that. That's what, uh, that's what I tell people. Oh, what percentage Indian yeah. are you? Oh, my degree of Indian blood is the same as Principal Chief John Ross, the chief of the Cherokee during the Trail of Tears. <laughs> good answer. It's a very good answer. It's true. Uh -huh. It's very it's true. true. Yeah. And, you know, when I, uh, when I left home and, and started going all different places and being in different meetings and began seeing different people from different parts of the United States, because uh, I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, and I grew up, of course, my dad. And uh, but when I started seeing, I began recognizing differences, uh, differences in different parts of the country, and comparing that with Oklahoma. And uh, I started seeing these differences, and, and I was really proud uh, to be from Oklahoma uh, because that there is some some value and quality uh, of my heritage, of the native, I'll just say the Native American heritage. Uh, there's some extremely unusual value uh, and, and uh, that has, that, that, that can be offered to our society if we just embrace that. But that's also true with other uh, different uh, uh, cultures as well. Asian cultures, Hispanic cultures, African cultures, Every, all cultures have good points that that's why America could be a great nation if we, if we embrace everyone so that every, the good of everyone comes together. So America is not just white. America is the good of all people. That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. America is a pot. big old chunk of land in the Western Hemisphere, north of Mexico and south of Canada. And, uh, you know, I, I do believe uh, slavery was a big black eye on the history of America, but so was the Native American genocide. And uh, it's a reckoning that I think due to the lack of political power of, of Native Americans in America, it's a reckoning that we don't necessarily... Uh, deal with as often or confront as face on as we do oftentimes the legacy of slavery in America. Um, and that's not saying that's, that's a bad thing. I think that we should reckon with both. Uh, that's just my, that's my opinion. You shouldn't run away from the bad things you've done. You should face them and learn from them and move forward into the future resolved not to do them again. That's my two cents on the matter. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
And I, if you look at the history of the Native Americans and the Europeans, is that uh, the European uh, way of government and culture uh, clashed with Native American culture and their government, their loose government. It clashed. And uh, when, uh, and so it wasn't compatible at the time, and it's not that compatible today. Uh, but my point is that there's good in both. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, when you come together, instead of uh, having a zero-sum game, if you bring the good in both cultures together, you're going to have an American culture that's better than the European, that's better than the Native American. But it's better uh, because you're getting taken the good from everyone. I, I, I Again, uh, I believe that that's the way it should be, and I think that's the, what America should be. Uh, make America great again or keep America great, I think what we need to do is embrace the goodness of all peoples in America. There's where the greatness of America is. Constant, constantly make America better. <laughs> Continuous improvement, right? Continuous improvement. A more perfect but union. The right way. Not a perfect union. A more perfect union. I think that's... Always on the journey. I think that's a good place to leave off for the day. I think we've solved most of the world's problems on this President's Day, February 15th, episode 18 of the Sons of Sequoia podcast. Um, mm-hmm. What is it they say in Cherokee? They don't have a word for goodbye in Cherokee, do they? It's basically like, until I see you again. That's, mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. I d- don't. I'm, I'm looking it up. Uh, hold on. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Cherokees that say bye, they just say wado. I like, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Yeah, what though? What though? Let's see here. And also the Donna Cherokee the, language Donna is the very sinks. Don't the Godfi. That means until we meet again. Uh, or what though? It's 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 easier to just say what though. Yeah, don't the Godfi. <laughs> the Godfi. Uh, yeah, what though? Goodbye, everyone. And do you have anything you'd like to add before we sign off for the day? Well, I guess I really should say what I've been saying, and I kind of like it too. Uh, I think it's healthy that today uh, to keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what other people are saying. Bye.